Hi, I'm Keith Anglin. I'm here today to tell you a little bit about my story. I was raised in a Christian home. And I heard all the Bible stuff, you know, from Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And also from Romans 6.23, for the, you know, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I knew all that, but my family bounced from church to church and we never really got connected. I never knew what it was really like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. As a result of that, in my early teens, I started running with the wrong crowd, hanging out with the wrong people, and that led to drug and alcohol abuse. And which, at the same time, I started learn I learned how to play guitar and I learned how to sing. And God started developing a gift in me to, to play and to sing, um, which led to me forming, you know, some, some music groups and also I had the opportunity to play with some of the best musicians in Rock Hill. It's also at this time that I met Beth and we dated for five years while we were finishing college. And, you know, we started a family. We got married and started a family. Uh, in 1992, Beth uh, asked me to go to a revival service at a little church we were sort of off and on going to at that time. And I agreed. The message that night was directed directly to fathers. And there was a statement that the speakers told me that, that spoke last night, that night that I think changed my life forever. And that, that statement was this. He said, guys, he said, God is going to hold you responsible for pointing your family and your children to Christ. I don't remember a whole lot about what else happened that night other than this. I knew that I was failing my family and the most important thing that I could give them and that was leading them to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and everlasting consequences. That night I got home and I went in my bedroom and I fell down on my face before God and I asked Jesus to forgive me. And as a young father that night, I truly gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And I turned from the direction I was going and I started chasing after him. I put in my notice with the group I was playing with at that time. And then Beth and I, we joined a church and we, I got involved in music ministry. And that eventually led us to First Baptist Church where we've been serving for 18 years. We've always felt at home here. And it's where we think God wanted us to, to grow and to serve. And through all these years, this is the one important thing that I have learned. That the most important thing that you can give your family is a relationship with Jesus Christ, is to point them in the right direction to for forgiveness of sin, for direction and purpose for their life, how to live your life, and to draw others to Him, and for hope and peace for this changing and uncertain times in which we live. Don't run from Jesus. Run to Him. He loves you. If I told you my story, Every person in this room has a story. Those of you who've committed your life to Jesus Christ and are following Him, your story includes the difference He's made in your life. Now, the backgrounds may vary. Some of the details may vary. And you may think your story isn't as dramatic as somebody else's story, but the truth is this. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a story that God can use to make a difference in other people's lives, to help them understand how much He loves them and how He can work in their lives as well. Your story is an effective story if you know how to tell it and you tell it with sincerity. Have you noticed in our culture, stories touch people? Stories move people? 
We listen to people's stories. I mean, when, when you watch a, a movie or you read a book, if, it, if it's a good story, it just grabs your attention and it, and it pulls you in. Any life that has been touched and transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ is a powerful story. And over the next several weeks, we want to help you understand what God has done in your life and how to communicate that story with other people. It's an important tool that God has given you, if you will, in witnessing. Because so many times we misunderstand what really is involved in sharing the gospel with people who don't have a relationship with Christ. Your story, your personal encounter with Jesus Christ is a big part of sharing the gospel. We pay attention to what other people say. And so people who don't know the Lord, people who don't go to church will pay attention when you share your story. How many of you have, um, let me illustrate this a different way. How many of you have ever uh, made a purchase online? Or maybe you were going to purchase something in a store, but you researched the product online. And if you read everything the, you know, the, the people who build it or make it or sell it said about it, the description and so on, you check the customer reviews. You ever done that? Anybody in here ever check customer reviews on a trip, an appliance? And Monisa and I recently bought some new appliances for our kitchen. And we, you know, did research, found the ones we liked, and then read every review we could find from people who made the same purchase to see what they said about it. And if you get a whole bunch of negative reviews, what does it do? Throws up a red flag, makes you hesitant. If you get a lot of positive reviews, what do you do? Makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. If you like it and the research backs it up and the reviews are positive, influences us. The same thing is true in our evangelism and our sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus Christ. So let me begin by asking you a question. What is your story? If I just stopped and said, I want you to write your story, and I want you to notice that Keith, in sharing his story, did it in less than three minutes. And he shared with us his pre-conversion experience, to use church language, his conversion experience, and his life since. If I ask you right now to jot down your story, could you do it? What is your story? What is your story? Have you ever thought about what your story is? Your, we, 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 we use the word testimony. Story, it's the same thing. What is your story? If, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have one. What is it? Let me ask you another question. Are you comfortable sharing it? Are you comfortable sharing it with your family in Sunday school? Are you comfortable sharing your story in the community, at work, at the ball game, with people who don't know Christ and do not go to church? When was the the last time you shared your story, not about First Baptist Church, but your story of what Christ has done in your life? Did it succinctly and clearly, when was the last time you shared your story with someone who was lost? Let me ask you another question. Have you ever applied yourself, really worked at learning how to share your story succinctly and clearly so that you can be a more effective witness for Jesus Christ? That's what we're going to focus on for the next several weeks. I invite you to open your Bible to the Old Testament book of Psalms. Look at Psalm 107. Psalm 107. This is going to be our theme verse for this series, if you will. We'll look at several Bible verses, but this will be our theme verse. We want to help you 
become more comfortable, more effective at sharing with others your experience with Christ, how he transformed your life and what he means to you. And this is a, this is a, a verse, a phrase in this verse that we often hear in songs. It's, it's been used in traditional hymns. It's been used in modern worship songs. Look at verse 2 of Psalm 107 with me, please. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. Look at it again. Let the, Lord, the, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, to redeem, that, that Hebrew word means to, to buy back, to purchase back, perhaps someone who's been kidnapped or sold into slavery. It also has, has the idea of, of rescuing someone. And so... This psalm is a psalm of worship and praise among the Jewish people of, of praise to God because he's redeemed them. He's rescued them from captivity in Egypt, captivity in Babylon, from, from their enemies that surrounded them. That's why he, at the end of verse 2, whom the Lord has redeemed from the hand of the adversary, or your Bible may, may translate that from the enemy or from trouble, from problems. And notice what he says there to do in verse 1. Give thanks. God's redemption, God rescuing you is an expression of his goodness, he says in verse 1. And therefore, give thanks. God's worthy of thanksgiving, but he doesn't stop there. In verse 2, in addition to giving thanks, he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The, new, the, the NIV translates it, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. The Holman Christian Bible, let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim. It's the idea of opening our mouths and speaking about what God has done to rescue us. And brothers and sisters, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ have more reason to talk about what Jesus has done in our lives than any other people on this planet. Now think about that. If you've been forgiven, if you've been saved, if you've been rescued, if you've been redeemed, if you've been born again, if you've received eternal life, if Jesus is in your life, you have more reason to talk about him and what he's done in your life than any other person on this planet. And yet sometimes it seems that the people who are the most quiet when it comes to Jesus are those who have supposedly been redeemed and saved by Jesus Christ. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Some of you believe it. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Now, if you were here last Sunday or you watched it on the sermon on television or, or on, on our website, we talked about the reality of those who are lost. Your relatives and neighbors and co-workers who don't know Christ. And it's an unpleasant picture described in Scripture, isn't it? But do you understand that before you became a follower of Jesus, whether that happened when you were 37, 27, 77, or age 7, before that happened to you, all of those things we talked about last Sunday were true of you? When Jesus rescued you, when He redeemed you, whatever your age... However young, however old, when he rescued you, he rescued you from your sins. He rescued you from 
hell. He rescued you from the dominion and kingdom of Satan. He rescued you from the grave and from death. He rescued you from this body that struggles with sickness and illness, that struggles with temptation and failure. He rescued you because on the resurrection day, you're going to have a new body and a new life. He rescued you from all of that. He rescued each person in this room who has him as Lord and Savior from bad choices. You heard Keith in his testimony talk about turning to drugs and alcohol. God rescued him from that. Some of you say, I was saved at a young age, and I've lived for the Lord my life. Not been perfect, but I've lived a Christian life, a good life, and and I I didn't get into any of that stuff. And so Jesus never needed to rescue me from that. Oh, I would beg to differ that, yes, he did rescue you from that. One of the testimonies, and that's what we have up here on this wall, are, are testimonies. And it's my prayer that over the next several weeks we will fill this wall and one of the walls out in the lobby that we're going to put up starting next week with more than 300 written testimonies. One of the testimonies on this wall, I'm holding here in my hand a copy of it. It's the testimony of the guy who was up here leading singing a moment ago, Steve White. See, like some of you, Steve grew up in a family that followed Jesus and went to church all the time. Steve White, in his testimony, accepted Christ and became a follower of Jesus when he was nine years old. And one of the things he says in his testimony is this. Listen. He says, as I grew older, I faced the temptations most teenagers my generation faced. Drinking, smoking, drugs, partying. But through it all, I had this inner strength to overcome. I've heard testimonies of how God brought people out of these things. That's Keith's testimony. God brought them out of those things. But here's what Steve said. But I believe he saved me from never having to experience them. Don't tell me if you're a follower of Jesus, he hasn't rescued you from bad choices. Don't tell me he hasn't rescued you from promiscuity, from alcohol, from drugs, from failure of the worst kind. Because if you've lived for Jesus since you were a child or a teenager and been faithful and obedient and godly as a follower of Christ, he saved you from a bad life. Don't tell me he didn't rescue you from that. He didn't redeem you from that. Without him, you may have gone down that path. There's not a man or a woman in this room today who's been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and forgiven and prepared for eternity, that has not been redeemed, that has not been rescued by Jesus Christ. And every one of us who know him in a personal saving relationship have a reason to say so and have thanks to give to him for what he's done in our lives. Now listen, brothers and sisters, our stories, our testimonies, are about our relationship with Jesus and how He has made a difference in our lives. My story, your story, is not about this church or any church. My story, your story, as a follower of Christ, is not about any religion. We need to remember that He invited us to follow Him. He invited us into a relationship with Him. 
And when we felt his tug on our heart and we heard his voice deep in our soul saying, come to me, we made the decision in faith through prayer to come to him. And we became his followers. It is always about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to take a few moments and use verses from the Bible starting in Matthew's gospel. So please turn there, Matthew's gospel, and remind us that this is a relationship between a leader and a follower, between a Lord and a servant, between a God and those he has saved, between him and us. It's a relationship between our Heavenly Father and us as his earthly children, if you will. And notice the language Jesus used, starting in Matthew chapter 4, speaking to the disciples in verse 19. He said, follow me, follow me. Follow me. Look in Matthew chapter 16, if you will, at verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. And I'm having you turn to these in your Bible because I want you to see it directly from God's Word. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, inviting them into a relationship with himself, come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and do what? Follow me. You see, too often, especially the longer we've been in church, we make it about our relationship with the church more than we make it about our relationship with Jesus Christ. We make it about all the religious things we do more than we do about our walk with Him, our Lord, our Savior, our friend, our Father, our God, our King, our Rescuer, our Redeemer. It's always been about following Jesus. I remember as a teenager when God was speaking to my heart, I didn't get excited about going to the church. Now, after I was saved, I loved going to church, but that wasn't when I felt tugging me. It wasn't the church. You know when I felt tugging me? It was God speaking to me. It's about Him and His work in my life. And it's the same with you if you know Him. It's about a personal relationship with Christ. Look in Matthew's Gospel again at chapter 19, if you will, please, at verse 28. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me. And all the other verses listed in your outline, Jesus says similar things. It's about following him. In the, in, in, in the, in because of time, turn, go ahead and turn over to the Gospel of John, and we'll look at, at uh, one last one, chapter 8. I want us to look at this verse for just a moment. John chapter 8. And look with me at verse 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me. And I put that there just because some might think most of these verses are talking to the 12 disciples. No, this is talking, this one is talking to everybody. Whoever follows him. See, you're not going to heaven like they were singing about a moment ago because you're, you know, you were raised in church because you're a Baptist or a Methodist or a Pentecostal or a spiritual person. If you go to heaven, it's because you follow Jesus in this life and the result of that is you get to follow him all the way to glory. But if you're not following him, you'll never follow him in heaven. You've got to follow him now. It's all about a fellowship. It's all about a fellowship. It's all about a relationship. He says, follow me. Follow me. And so too often when we try to witness, we talk about the church more than we talk about Jesus. Nothing wrong with the church. It's God's church. It's his family. But notice that it's his family. 
Again, it's about relationship. The called out ones who are called out of this world into a relationship with Him. I can't tell you how many times over the year I've asked someone, are you a Christian? And their answer goes something like this. Well, you know, um, I've always gone to church. Do you know for certain you'll, die, you'll go to heaven when you die? Well, you know, when I was, when I was nine, I, I was baptized. Are you saved? I can't remember a time I wasn't. Really? You were born saved? See, every person who has a relationship with with Jesus Christ, there was a moment in life when they were born spiritually into the family of God, there was a moment that relationship with Him started, and it wasn't at your physical birth. We're not talking about your relationship to religion, to to the the Baptist church. we're, We're talking about a relationship with Christ. You see, your story is about Jesus and what He's done in your life. That's your story. It's about a relationship with Him. In your outline and on the screen, the words in in Mark chapter 5, Jesus heals a man who's been possessed by demons. And after healing the man... Notice what Jesus tells them. Would you look at that? Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis, which was a group of, uh, of cities on the other side of the Jordan River, and he began to tell all of those people how much, how much what? How much he loved the Baptist church. All he's done for God. When he joined the church, when he was baptized, he began to tell them all that Jesus had done for him. And all the people were what? You have a story if you have Jesus in your life. What is your story? Your story, if you're a Christian, is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. One last verse I want you to turn to just before the book of Revelation. Look at 1 John chapter 1, okay? After Hebrews and before Jude and Revelation, you have the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Turn to 1st John chapter 1, please. I want to help you understand from Scripture what a testimony really is, what your story is really about. Look at these opening four verses. John, who was one of the twelve disciples, writes, What was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we have seen with our own eyes, and what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, Jesus, the word of life. So John says, Everything we've seen, what we heard with my, what I heard with my own ears, what I was able to reach out and touch with my, with my own hands during my time with Jesus, He said the life, the word of life, Jesus was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. We saw Jesus and he revealed to us what eternal life was. We've seen that. 
Verse 3, and what, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim and testify. Notice that. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too, what? You too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father. And we write these things so your joy may be made complete. Do you know what, you, what, what sharing your story is? It's telling people about your encounter with Jesus Christ. It's telling people about your experience with Jesus Christ and the difference it makes in your life. And why? Because you want them to have fellowship with you just as you have fellowship with the Father and you want them to have the same joy in Christ that you have in Christ. We we make this so complex. We make it so complicated. We make it about the things it's not supposed to be about. And again, I ask, what is your story? Now, you you weren't alive when Jesus walked this earth those 33 years or whatever. You, You weren't with Peter and Matthew and those guys. But guess what? If you know Christ, you've experienced him. If you know Jesus, you've talked to him. If you know Jesus, he's made a difference in your life and continues to make a difference in your life. You've had an encounter with him and you continue to have experience with with him. And that is your story. And it doesn't matter if your story is different in some of the details than somebody else's story. It's your story of an experience with Jesus Christ. I like what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3. He said, sanctify Christ as Lord. Give him that dedicated special place in your hearts. Notice this. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and with reverence. The hope that is in you. Your experience, how he's forgiven you, how he's blessed you, how he's helped you, your hope, your hope of the resurrection, your hope of heaven, your hope of forgiveness and eternity, your story, your story, your story, not somebody else's story, the hope that is in you. No, Listen, no one can talk with the same heart and authority about your story that you can. You can't speak with the same heart and authority about my story that I can, and I can't speak with the same heart or authority about your story that you can. The hope that is in you. But notice what he said earlier in that verse. Being ready. See, I think one of the reasons some of us don't do it, yeah, I know there's intimidation and so on, But I think one of the reasons some of us don't do it very often is we're not ready to do it. We've not prepared ourselves to do it. We don't know how to do it. We've not put any 
time in or made much effort toward preparing ourselves to be able to do it. So if you're at a supermarket checkout line and someone says something and suddenly you have an opportunity to bear witness for Christ about how he's changed your life, but you've only got 90 seconds to do it, can you do it in a way that's clear and effective? Can you tell your story in less than three minutes the way Keith did a moment ago on that video. Have you prepared yourself? That's what we want to help you with in the coming weeks. To share your experience, your relationship, your story, to be ready. And not just shoot from the hip. There's an organization that uh, works with leaders to improve their performance. The head of this organization was speaking at a large conference with several thousand people a few years ago. And he told, the, he told the audience about one of the things they do with these leadership teams, these leadership groups that come to them. They have a place in Florida near the swamps. And one of their leader development activities is they get all of them together and they're supposed to run along this path through the swamp and the woods to a fence out there at the end of the path and retrieve a ribbon that's tied to it and bring it back, a ribbon for each one and all of them to go out there and do that and bring it back. But before they send them out, they said, now listen, earlier this morning in the woods, a wild boar was spotted. And you need to be really careful because they're very dangerous. And they really build it up. Then send them out. What they don't know is there really isn't a wild boar out there, but there's a cameraman hidden behind some bushes with a camera. And he knows how to rustle those bushes the right way and to make those sound, you know, just perfect. <laughs> See, if you were born a hog, you could do that. <laughs> I've been waiting almost 30 years to do that. <laughs> and they filmed their reaction. Well, at this leadership conference, he showed this. He showed two videos, okay, of groups, leader groups, leaders that they put through this 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 little scenario. The, the first video they showed was guys, NFL linebackers, <laughs> tough dudes, and they start running along that path, and they they, they go around the bend, they come to that bush, and it's rustling, they hear that that wild boar, and you know what those NFL linebackers do? They all turned around and ran back screaming like a bunch of girls. <laughs> now, the second video he showed was of a group of CIA operatives. When they rounded the bend and came to that rustling bush and that wild boar noise, do you know what those CIA operatives did? They all assumed an attack position and waited. Because training and preparation makes a difference. And people who think in your evangelism and sharing your testimony, training doesn't matter, are fooling themselves. Yes, it does make a difference. Yes, it does matter. If it didn't matter, every person in this room would be sharing their story with lost people all the time. Don't tell me it doesn't matter. There's a reason 
we don't share our story about Jesus and the difference he's made in our lives very much. And that's what we want to help you with. And it's my prayer that your story, we've got other boards out here. We've got enough boards to blanket this stage. We can build a full wall. We're going to have a wall in the lobby. It's my prayer that your story will be on that wall. And that at the end of this, you will better understand how to tell your story. And we're going to take a few weeks to work toward it. And down the road, you're going to be able to submit your story to us online, via email, the website, or if you don't have any of that, just bring it to us. And so we're going to spend some time the next few, few Sunday mornings working on our story. And in the process, understand more than we do now, perhaps, what it means to have had an encounter with Christ. And so in your notes, there are some helps and suggestions. I don't have time to walk through all of those, but I want you to read them. Take that home with you and read it today. Now, here's the thing. When this is all done, it's my prayer, my goal for you, that you be able to share your story succinctly, clearly, and effectively in three minutes or less. And if you work at it, you can. And if you want to know what three minutes looks like on paper, it's 300 words. And when you start, most of you are going to have a whole lot more than that. But you can get it down to 300 words, the parts that are most important. And your story is broken down into three parts, really. Your life before you became a follower of Christ. Steve White's story, raised in a Christian family, went to church all the time. If you're saved at a young age, your before Christ story might be a little bit briefer than Keith's, who before Christ, he met Christ as, a, as an adult, a married man, was into the drugs and the alcohol and the other stuff. The second part of your story is your encounter with Christ. When you became a follower of Christ, Keith was going to that revival service and hearing the sermon to fathers and God taking one phrase in that sermon and speaking to him and, and then he, he went home and he prayed and committed his life to Christ. You're, you, you have that. If you, if you know Jesus, you have that part to your story. If you don't have that part to your story, you don't know Jesus. And you need to talk with me or one of the other pastors or a Sunday school teacher or someone who can help you figure this thing out because it's too important not to. If, if you don't have that, you need to come to the front when we sing this next song and give an invitation and say, I, I, you know, I've got all these questions, all these doubts, and I want to settle it and know for certain I'm saved and going to heaven. The third part of your story is your life since you've become a follower of Christ. What's some significant way he's changed your life? Or what's going on in your life now that he's, how's he blessing you today? And so I want you to do a first draft this week and read through all the notes and then go back and rewrite it. And then we're going to teach you the next few weeks 
There will be some stuff on our website and some stuff I'll be teaching on Sundays and some handouts available to you, and we're going to help you. But I want you to make a commitment right now that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here's your commitment. When we get to October, I want to be much better prepared to tell my story than I am today. That's the commitment I want you to make. That when we get to October, I'm going to be better prepared to share my story with Jesus than I am today. That's a simple but important commitment. To participate in this process. And for yours to be one of the hundreds of stories that will be on this wall of testimony, if you will, this wall of stories that that we'll build here and out in the lobby. And then as you move to Christmas, you're prepared to tell your story with the people that last Sunday were on your heart because they're lost. Can you make that commitment, church? Will you make that commitment? Let's stand. Father, I pray that just as you have been speaking to people this morning to their hearts, that you will continue to speak with them right now during this invitation. So let's sing together. You come right now. Sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let a rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can. If today's message has created some curiosity in you, piqued your interest, and you'd like some help in clarifying your story, your story of your relationship with Jesus Christ, we'd love to help you with that. I'm offering classes on Wednesday night to help you write your story, know how to tell your story. You're welcome to join us at 6.30 here at First Baptist Church on Dave Lyle Boulevard on Wednesday evenings. Also, if, if this message today created some doubt in your mind as to whether or not you have a story, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you can have one by committing your life to Him, and I encourage you to do that right now. Just pray and let Him know that you want a relationship with Him, you want a story that includes Him, and ask Him to forgive you, to change you. Commit yourself to Him, and then contact us here at First Baptist Church so we can help you in your relationship with Christ and with your story as it develops and grows. If you don't live close to us, find a Bible-believing church, a Bible-teaching church. Go there and tell that pastor that you've committed your life to Christ. Look forward to seeing you and encourage you to join us again for our next broadcast. God bless you and have a great week.